0: Hey people, welcome to the Photo Mama podcast. Conversations on all things motherhood, photography and life. I'm Ikorja Mercy Haruna, but you can call me Mercy. I'm a photographer and a mom of two beautiful babies. And I'm
1: Elsie Kifuengare. I'm also a photographer
0: and a mom of two. Hi everyone, it's so good to be back chatting with you all again. We hope you've had a really nice summer break. In this episode, we are joined by Dominique a photographer, curator, and mom of two. But before we start the episode, we want to thank Dominique
1: for her openness. It's not easy, especially when your personal life is usually private.
0: Yes, thank you for your vulnerability and willingness to share your story and inspire our listeners on their individual journeys.
1: We hope our conversations will inspire other photographer moms to join us in future episodes. So without further ado,
0: let's jump into today's episode. Dominique Nock is a black female portrait photographer and curator who was born in Paramaribo, Suriname in the West Indies. With more than 20 years of experience as a commercial photographer, she has been a magazine editor and has a bachelor's degree in journalism and a master's in curating. She also judges photography and art competitions and occasionally writes for a photography magazine. Her photographic work has been featured in The Guardian, BBC Midlands, ITV.com, various business, Dutch magazines, and The Voice of Holland, and has been exhibited at the Midlands Center, Deptford Does Art, London, Harris Museum, Preston, The Photography Show, Birmingham, and Fuji Film House of Photography. Her curatorial career started with the exhibition We Are Here for UKBF Talk, that is, UK Black Female Photographers in Warsaw. Since then, she created platforms for talented, predominantly female identifying visual artists. At Midlands Arts Centre, she works with individual artists and collectives such as Mary Moahid, Sharon Walters, Mixed Rage Collective, Yasmin Grayson's Art Club, and Adila Suleiman. Dominique is passionate about contributing to conversations involving equal representation of female artists from the African diaspora and from Black, Asian, and global majority heritage. Eleven years ago, Dominique, along with her husband and two daughters, Made the exciting move from Amsterdam to London. Welcome to the show, Dominique. We are so happy to have you.
2: Thank you. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for inviting okay. me. Yeah. Thank you. Was, was um,
0: everything about you captured in that, or would you like to add anything to that introduction? Uh,
2: I think it was. It was really good. Uh, every time I hear all of this, I'm like, oh. Actually, I have done something because sometimes it feels like you're doing nothing, right? Like you're standing still. Mm. But actually, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm hearing about my my career from someone else, and mm-hmm. it just feels like, oh, yeah, I've done. <laughs> I've done something. It's yeah. It's yeah. nice. It's
0: nice to hear someone <laughs> nice else kind so. of like detail your yeah your career your history and all you've done and suddenly you're like oh okay i did oh. that right elsie yeah. i know you feel yeah. the same way <laughs> yeah I,
1: i'm really loving the way she's taking stock as yeah. well of the whole hearing it back yeah. it makes you feel a certain type of way and i, I love hearing the joy in your voice it's really nice yeah. it's refreshing Yay. <laughs> yes. Well, um, Dominique, why don't you tell us about, a little bit about yourself and your motherhood story.
2: Um, so, I married um, quite young, at the age of 23 or 24, and I um, and was in Amsterdam, um, my husband and I met in a church, and we fell yeah we fell in love at first we were friends and then we fell in love and um so i think that is the basis of of everything you know having this 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 solid relationship with its ups and downs obviously because we're both completely different people um but yeah starting to build on that as a family um I got married while I was still in full-time education. Uh, so my timing was off. <laughs> that was really yeah, that, that, was, that, 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 that wasn't helpful, because uh, because of that, it took uh, a lot longer for me to finish my bachelor's degree in journalism, uh, and that was in, in the Netherlands. But yes, um, Stan and I started um, having kids. I had my first baby, uh, Lisa, um, twenty years ago, and uh, and I was still in full time ed- education. And actually, I got my degree when I was pregnant, heavily pregnant with my second baby. So um, I I made the conscious conscious decision that I really wanted to finish something that I started because mm-hmm. in my family line, that was something that didn't occur um very often that we started something but not finished it so i was very conscious about that that i really wanted to finish it and it took me about nine nine years (laughs) to get my degree but uh i did it and back then you know the student loans and all those things were great because in this era it would not have been possible at all But yeah, so that is uh, when I started my my family under 30, having two uh, girls. Um, I had a miscarriage as well in between, so I should have had three babies. Um, So yeah, that was um, an interesting season of my life. I was here nodding my
0: head because I relate. I got married quite young as well and, and started having my kids. got married at 23 and had my first at 24. Um, so I relate on that level, um, having to really push through and saying when you said that you've just really made a conscious decision to start, you, knowing that you started it, you really wanted to finish it. I, I I know I know exactly what you mean. And me and Elsie have had this conversation before having kids while you're studying and having to push extra go the extra mile to be able to finish but yeah um we're proud of you that you you did that well done
2: thank you i'm proud of you as well because (laughs) you know you did the same thing yeah so yes
1: yeah i identify in the sense that wanting to finish when you said you wanted to be the first in your family to finish the education not they're not giving up um yeah i i I feel i feel i felt that deeply because Mm. i also was in a position where um i had my second one i was halfway through my degree and yeah having kids and studying and at the time i was also working and juggling all of that it was not easy um i almost gave up (laughs) But I said, if I if I stop now and say, oh, I'm going on maternity mm. leave, I don't think I would have gone back to education. I think I would have just said, I can't be bothered. But I I stuck through it and I finished and I'm glad for it. So, well done for sticking through it, and thank you as well for being vulnerable with that with us well, on thank that you. regard as well. So I we really do appreciate yeah.
0: it. And I'm sure that um some of our listeners mm. will relate to that as well because we mm. we I mean we talk to so many different people on different different journeys and it's good to have someone else that that has done this simultaneously Mm. with raising kids and kind of like because now we're going to ask you about how you navigated that and all all the 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 juggle in the struggle in the juggle um Mm -hmm. so um well how did your photography Mm. journey start did you kind of start it at uni
2: or was it like before So I was a very lazy student, very lazy. And uh, so at first I really wanted to do more writing or go into television. But then I heard that everybody was in school until seven, eight o'clock in the evening. I was like, no, I have a life. So uh, someone said, you know, you should look into photography because... uh, it's it it's it's quite simple, and you're you know so uh, that's the reason why I chose photography, so it is isn't something very like very <laughs> <laughs> like oh wow, I fell in love with a medium well i I did take photos since I was very young, mm-hmm. I got uh, cameras and things like that, but I never thought about it as it being like a profession, right mm-hmm. it was something I enjoyed doing telling stories through that, and just having the prints in my hands that was that was something I really enjoyed since I was what eleven, twelve or something. So hearing that that, that, that was actually something um I could do for my profession with photography and it didn't take up all of my private life. <laughs> uh that that sounded very very good. And um and then I just fell in love with still images that I could tell a story through one single image actually um what I really loved is connecting with the people in front of my lens is um like having a peak in people' their lives that I was able to uh for example, I joined um with a, a police officer who did house visits and i just went into homes of people who were um who who were living quite challenging and yeah it i i just felt very privileged and yeah i'm a very nosy person as well so i do like to i i love other people their stories and I listen to them and um so so then i fell in love with with photography and with the stories behind all the images and the people i was able to connect with um who shared a piece of them with me i think that was so that 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 was incredible um it was it was a challenge because i really wanted to take up more photography but then i um i fell pregnant with with lisa so my 20 year old I have Zoe as well. She's nearly 18. Mm. And um and I had difficulty with my uh, hips. I'm not sure what the word is in uh, in English. And then um um I wasn't able to do like a with um uh because we could go into businesses and and like do the apprenticeship etc and i wasn't able to do the the whole thing as a photographer so i ended up um as an editor so for a, a a newspaper and they were so kind they were so kind and i have to say i learned a lot about pictures and uh what what people like and what they don't like um how to shoot uh, etc. So I learned from a different angle. Um, yeah, the power of photography, actually, and what people want to see. Um, I was obviously very disappointed that physically I wasn't able to do the photography itself. Um, but there was like a a very lovely photographer and he was because they work with like freelancers but there was a photographer um working full-time for them so i was able to go with him a couple Mm. of times and uh learn learn from him so that was that was nice but it was it was it was um a sacrifice actually um But yes, that is actually how I fell in love with photography, how I I fell in love with the storytelling, how I understood what images speak to others. But there is a downside is that because I know what people want, that I sort of started losing my own voice because I was starting to produce what I knew that people would like instead of what i want to share with the world and i think because i've been working with on uh, commissions since uh, since then um that is still a, an exploration for me uh because i've i've been mainly busy in like the commercial industry for for businesses and for um yeah for also for for for, for artists and things things like that so i just um i'm still exploring okay what do i want to tell well where is my creativity and things like that so so i think it started somewhere there on that um on on oh, with my uh, apprenticeship that i st- started losing my voice already and i i have to say that's so that's 20 years ago right so um yeah so that that can be the downside
0: yeah so before we kind of um go into your how this photography journey evolved into your curating journey because I know you really really want to touch on that um you started to talk about how um you had like pelvic issues when you were pregnant with your daughter and then you couldn't do apprenticeships because um because of that and other things were there other th- were there other things that you faced any big challenges you faced
2: um, with juggling your photography and your motherhood at that time um so uh, i was in the very in the privilege that my husband was able to provide financially he was young and he is like an entrepreneur and self-made and uh, he he's a dropout from uh, from university and started businesses and he did very well for himself. So I had the privilege until today, actually, that I can do whatever I like. Of course, being an entrepreneur, there are risks. So there have been times that my family was leaning on me with my photography. And I'm thankful and grateful to God (laughs) that those times, Um, I got many jobs and I was working like three, three times a a week, three, four times a week. And that's like full time for a photographer, for a freelance photographer. Um, So that was so I was very, very much privileged that I was able to do that. So the financial side of things. So when um, he was going through a phase, he stayed home with the kids. So he was the one staying home with my youngest because it was when she was about one or two when things started to shift for him and he needed to refocus so for a couple of years I was um the one providing and uh and uh so yeah we had financial challenges in that sense as well um but you know the only way is through and uh the kids uh had a very happy childhood um, i hope <laughs> let's hear it let's hear it in twenty years' time uh but yeah, when I hear them talk about you know what they did on their bikes, playing outside, playing with us, uh, doing all those things, I hear that they were they they have nice memories of their childhood, even though. We weren't able to give them the coolest stuff, all the things that society mm. makes you believe you should have. <laughs> uh, they were still, they were still happy, happy kids. I'm not so sure about now because now they want to have like everything, everything. So, but yeah, they're they're both working as well, like you know, like student jobs, so they're That's able them. to pay for that themselves. So, um, again, I'm very privileged with Stan being my husband because financially he studied like uh, accountancy before he dropped out. So, um, so he was, he's really good with, with numbers. And, um, but yes, we have been through ups and downs. So what has been the m- most major thing is that my relationship with money has changed. The way I look at money has changed. That it is like automatic. I, I When I am going for like... A, and that wasn't only when I was like in a privileged position uh, like I am now. That I literally don't have to work. But um, back then that I wasn't chasing money. I was doing what I knew I had to do. And money was like the... The, the outcome, was automatically like the outcome. And there is like a very weird thing. Um, I said to someone, I really want to work for a magazine. And I think in that week, someone rang me. Dominique, I would love to have you on board for our Urban Magazine. I'm like, what? what's happening and so like the serendipity type of thing you know that when you when you communicate and put something out in the world that something suddenly starts to happen not always but sometimes you know things just start to to happen mm. so <laughs> fall into place it is it is like a very weird thing but i have to say that is something that happened and i had to chase a lot as well and back then especially my husband was a shark whoever didn't pay um and i chased them a couple of times he said i'm going for the money you know so uh, so so it was it, it, it has been a really like a together kind of thing and also growing into the worth of money. What is money? Why is it important to me? Um, is it something I need to exist? Or is it something that is like, um, uh, yeah, uh, a, th- a thing that we need, in, in it? because it is something we need in, in, in everyday life, right? But once you take away like the power of, of money, then suddenly it doesn't have power over you anymore. It sounds weird and quirky, yes. but it, it, it is something that, that that I have lived through. So um so yeah. That's it because because we have been in very challenging situations, not being able as well. We had to move back in with my mother in law and things like that. So it 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 hasn't been like this always but once we started to change our way of thinking about money the world around us started to shift that's just yeah uh
1: before we discuss your curating there's one project i really wanted to touch on which was a whitewash project that was showcased at the first ever exhibition by ukbf talk photographers Would you like to go through this project? How did you come about this idea? Uh, What was your thought process with this project and all of that?
2: So, um, when we moved from Amsterdam to the UK, I sort of lost... I I, I sort of starting to rediscover my own voice, my own stories, the things that I believe should exist in the world. And... um, not having a lot of people um, I know, like the artists I know in the Netherlands and all the, like my whole network, I started to focus more on my family. And um, so the the person in the images is actually my daughter. And uh, one, because I found it easier for me uh, that I didn't have to go and ask someone for a wafer or whatever because in the netherlands I never had to ask for work so that is a thing everything was word of mouth everything was word of mouth so i was quite um and maybe still i'm a little bit um insecure about with approaching people in a for certain things personal things um because commercially if you get like a, a commission then it is either a model or a, so it is different than asking for more the personal things the stories i wanted to tell um and i was thinking what is something that ha- that that stayed with me throughout my childhood and that were like um widening products and um so in my household uh and when I was growing up people did use um those skin things what was it was a dark and lovely bleaching products and it wasn't I was it was one of the brands that was quite quite famous at that time and um and one day I picked it up myself. So my, my mom is dark skin, my dad as well, um, but they are the four. So I, that's just my mom and my, my brother is dark skin as well. And so I am, I am the only light skin of this family unit. Um, and I picked it up one day just to rub moisturizer on my face. And then my mom came and said, no, 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 don't use it. And I said, "Um, why? No, you don't need it. And I said, why? So I looked at the back and I saw that there are like bleaching ingredients in it. So I said, what? What are you doing? And uh, so I threw it away. But that is something that stayed with me all of my life. And I thought, let me let me create something about a topic that is quite difficult because there there are two that you know as a black community um, we have to deal with a lot of things coming from outside right but there are issues inside the community as well and we don't really always have time to discuss these things because we're constantly (laughs) working, fighting, surviving whatever happens on the outside. So I thought um, I want to make this project not for anybody else to judge us, because I do not judge anybody who is using it because it comes from somewhere, right? It has like a history, a past, why people are using these products so i do not judge it the only thing what i wanted to do is to to start like this store, this conversation um that you understand why you're using it that is the only thing and if if you understand why you're using it and still want to use it that's up to you you know but if you just do it because you think that is something you need to do Then, you know, so I wanted to start this conversation and uh, then I took the obvious. Uh, I took bleach from a bottle and uh, set it up, uh, ordered a couple of things. So I did quite a lot of fashion, photography, beauty type of lifestyle, type of photography. So everything that is like documentary style still has like this flair of beauty or something um, so I, yeah, that set aside. So I do think about all these things when I do like, um, tell those stories. I, I I like to layer it with, with still some sort of beauty. So I, um, I, I bought, uh, uh, blue, uh, eye lenses for my daughter, uh, straightened her hair that, curled up at one point um and uh yeah put her in the bathtub and used bleach it was actually real bleach uh, just a couple of drops in the water <laughs> and uh and just with her feet in it because when she was laying in it it was fresh water that was no bleach um so yes so that is that is actually the reason why I started this when we had this at a Walsall I had many, 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 many conversations about this. People saying I know people who are using it. At one point I was uh, on a break and then um the another photographer who was exhibiting next to me had a chat with um a very fair skinned Asian person who said that her mother actually put her in the bath and scrubbed her skin with bleach. So she was very emotional. I'm so yeah, I was upset that I missed her uh, to have this conversation, but but yeah. So I started this project because I wanted to open a discussion within the community, not everybody outside judging and but yeah that we understand where things come from the lighter skin the uh european features the relaxed hair all of that has a a past has a a reason why we do what we do having good hair and all those things you know all those conversations so um Yeah, and I have seen people as well at the exhibition who I could clearly see used it. And they looked at it and they were really confronted and walked straight past it. But yeah, I didn't do it to insult anybody or to say you're a bad person or what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know. Just to start this conversation, do we understand... Why we're doing this. Which is
0: an important conversation to have, especially in light that we are raising the next generation. How are we transferring some of those um, practices, you know, without knowing like you, your mom was doing this and you saw it, you know, you know better now. So you, your children hopefully don't do that. You know, we we can have the more we have these conversations, the more we can get to the root of the matter, which can help us to make sure that we're doing better by the next generation.
1: yeah. And when when you're doing the project, because you said this is your daughter, did you have the conversation uh, with her before um, embarking on this project to make her understand why you're doing it? What kind of conversation was going through your head and with her and with your daughter, not just the daughter that appeared in the project, but both Mm. your girls?
2: Yeah, we're very, uh, like, you know, Dutch. (laughs) So we're very open about... Everything from, yeah, past traumas to yeah current things. So we're very open. So I discussed this with my daughter, and uh, she said, "Yeah, you know this is this is wrong. Uh, should we we should love our own skin? We should, yeah. So so for her it was good, but I I would like to point out that I had the conversation with my brother afterwards and um it was the first time he we ever talked about this because um i so i explained the the project um before it came out because it was quite you know a personal thing and he said but yeah you don't understand and i said what do you mean yeah you don't understand because you're privileged with your lighter skin, and that was the first time ever, in forty years' time, that I had this conversation with my brother. So I was very humbled by that and very made aware of being, yeah, a light from a lighter skin that you can easily say, "Oh, no, you shouldn't be doing that." Yeah. or you should be you're right?" So, they made you acknowledge uh, because, your privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And that was really like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. You know? So, uh, but that being said, my, both of my kids are, yeah, are, are agreeing with me. But I do have to say that the next generation is quite proud. Of so my uh, and then I'm talking about my nieces and nephews as well they are very proud of uh, because we have everything ranging from very light skin to a very beautiful darker complexion so yeah and everybody we were just like you know
0: you wear your natural hair and, and all of that
2: natural hair relaxed hair (laughs) braids uh, everything everything. we have everything so uh yeah yes it's a really powerful
1: project i really do appreciate you doing this and also it does make you sit and ask we all of us need to ask uh these difficult questions and um i'm really proud that you get to do this yes use your voice that you never had before yes was it like, was yes. this one of your first, first personal was projects the after first. the fact?
0: Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And will you be doing more? Mm-hmm. Will you be exploring this a bit more?
2: So I've been thinking, um, I've been thinking uh, uh, of that, uh, but it feels like uh, that, that project is sort of finished. We can have more conversations about it, but um yeah more research etc but again you know i come from a very commercial background so the thing is that we did things quickly mm-hmm. you know a project never took longer than a week mm. or so and and so i have to like make this shift into uh engaging in longer term projects and that it is okay to have like longer term projects so but i'm not Quite there yet? So I've done this, and then I'm focused on the next, right? So, but maybe I should stay a little bit longer with one project. Uh, you know, you know about this because you're doing both doing long term projects. What what do you prefer? In fact, it's the
0: opposite for me. I like the long term projects. I like to sit with things. Mm. I like, like to take time with them. But that's only only because I guess because. I come from more of an like art background and that's where I Mm. saw myself taking my photography was doing more long-term projects, traveling, you know, really photograph, embedding myself in like um, places and people, with places and people and then making books and exhibitions and that's Mm. the sort of background that I come from. So commercial is actually what is so foreign to me, um, which I, you know, been exploring recently as well and kind of having a brief and finishing that knowing that's done done and then moving on to the next thing so yeah it's good to kind of I think that it's good to explore different things and not just sit in the same thing all the time it it allows you to kind of um, figure out what next you could do I mean we could do so much with our lives we have such a long life right Mm. by God's grace Mm. Uh, we, we could do so many things and encouraging others who are probably listening to this and thinking, oh, I'm stuck in a rut or whatever, in a creative... Yeah. Break out of your comfort zone and do something completely different and you just might find yourself, you know, blossoming and, and whatever. That's right? True.
1: Yeah. I, I find myself a bit of both. I like projects that finish and I'm done with. <laughs> <laughs> and I also like long-term projects because I think the finishing bit came from uni as well from that art background because we only had 12 weeks to finish a project and then you move on to the next module Mm. so that mindset came from that but at the same time i'm like okay yes i did finish that project but i think i can develop it more or shift it in its head and make it something else Mm -hmm. as in come make a new project out of that one that was finished right right and it it kind of turns. So we
2: can so so actually we can do that yeah. because in my head like it's like impossible to revisit something that I have sort of finished. Mm. But you're actually saying that I can. Yes, you can.
0: Yeah, you Absolutely. Can.
2: Yeah.
1: Because one of my lecturers always saying turn it in its head. This thing of yeah. turn it on its head. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is this? What but do you I mean? Kinda, so, yeah. But I kind of understood what it meant. Like, yes, you might think this is finished, but Takes from it and make something new, make mm-hmm. something new and it can be that longer project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some projects mm-hmm. which, yeah, I would, I would rather sit with it and projects are not necessarily long for the sense that you're making the work. It's the research behind mm-hmm. the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you taking your time to mm-hmm. de- develop your Uh, language skills with the work, understanding Mm. what you want to do, the message you want to put across. Mm. I think that's where the long term comes in. And then
0: allowing yourself to experiment with different things as well. Mm. Like, for example, with um, with, um, Offspring... (sighs) I wanted it to be a definite project, right? But there's so much, there's so many things that go into a project like that. It's, I'm working with participants. So I have to look for participants. And then I've done this mini exhibition that you attended, Dominique. Mm. Um... You know, and that's been, okay, I've done that. But what else do I want to do? Do I want to photograph more people? I've done black and white. Do I want to maybe do some color? So I feel, I mean, eventually I'm thinking it's going to be a book. So I'm thinking, oh, definitely more people. There's also the consideration of of cost. I mean, that's an important part when Mm -hmm. you're doing a project like this Mm. is that it's self-funded or you have to look for funding for it. There's time that, you know, as moms... (laughs) <laughs> it's very difficult to find time and so you know a project that maybe would have taken a year suddenly it's taken two three you know but it's okay for me that's okay because mm. every every step of it for me is interesting as much as the finished product of it do you understand where i'm coming from
2: yeah oh, that's um. really good really good i'm i'm um putting it on my hard drive <laughs> in my head thank you love
0: that love that
2: Mm. um so I'd like us to sort of pivot
0: into talking about your curating career and how that evolved from being an editor and being a photographer and all of that just so tell us a little bit about how that evolved how did you go back and study
2: so um yes I was living here and trying to find my voice as a photographer etc and um, and then I thought, yes, but what's the next step? Where, where can I, how can I share with the, with the wider public? How can I, you know, how can people come across this story? How can they learn from this? How can I start conversations? Uh, so I started going back to museums and back to actually my roots with uh, exhibiting and with more documentary style photography and went to talks. And um I was at um at the V and uh there was uh someone and he was like the curator and I always knew like that that there are like people who are putting things together like an exhibition, you know? And I actually thought that is what a curator does, like the display. Um but then I saw that this curator did other things as well and I thought, wait, Wait, let me have a look into and just dive into what that actually means and um so then I applied for the uh for a curating um course at, at Chelsea College, and uh, I got in um, and it was actually purely the reason why I wanted to do it is to get some control. Uh, of what is seen, to get more representation of people who look like me, who look like my my husband and his family, m- my family and my friends. Um, so mainly focused on black and global majority uh, communities. And so actually it was, the reason why I, I started curating is because... I wanted to be like this bridge between um, not being known, not being seen and heard, to building like these opportunities, opportunities for people to um, yeah, get the recognition of their hard work and their passion and their brain, their the way of thinking. So that's why I started. And then COVID happened. Yeah, so I was like a mature student. Uh it is a year and something course. Um and uh I thought yeah, I can do it in a a year. I can do a year. And then COVID happened and um so we did it had like had hybrid learning. Uh so we weren't able to do all the hands-on things that are usually done, mm. but I learned a lot about, yeah, contextualizing, researching, um, not as much about the display, because actually as a curator, you are, uh, yeah, display is like the final little bit that you're doing, it is mainly researching, yep. mm. it is working with, uh, li- liaising with artists, it is caring for them going through their works with them um helping them develop like uh, a language that can communicate their um yeah i'm using the word story a lot their their way of thinking their to others in an effective way uh, and that can be through uh, having readings that can be through having all kind of different things right so you're a programmer you're a project manager you're um, producer uh, many hats you're, uh, many <laughs> many hats and actually I loved I loved doing that and I really I I mm. love being a curator and again i can have a peek into people their lives
0: in a different way <laughs> nosy nosy
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes
0: and so since this hap- this was happening during the pandemic was um we are here like your first curating opportunity
2: yes so what i said before right uh, sometimes it's good to communicate what is living in your heart and i said to like the the uh, to Jamila Ukebu she is the um, the person who Fa- the founder, founder. <laughs> the founder thank you the founder of UK Black Female Photographers UK BF Talk and I mentioned it to her and I said listen yeah I just want to do something with curating and I said it before I was doing my degree and um, and then there was suddenly Walsall, Denise Maxwell uh, had like a space and suddenly in a couple of weeks time there was a, uh, yeah, like the opportunity for the community to showcase their works. And they said, well, you wanted to be the curator, yeah, I know you wanted to be a curator, <laughs> what you like to do? It? But actually there was, this was only like the... The display, and I said, Listen, being a curator is more oh. than that, but yes, I'm happy to do the display for you <laughs> yeah. right, and to uh sort of write a couple of things as well, but it is it, it, it was very it it wasn't like the curating that I am engaging with okay. now right so but it was it was a very good start, and actually whenever you're working as a curator for a bigger um institution you have like different pockets you are um assigned to so some are only uh engaging with uh the writing and some are only doing the artist liaising and something uh or some some people are doing only you know different pockets and uh, and and as an independent curator, everything sort of comes on your plate mm-hmm. so um yeah yeah, and and it's, it's, uh, some institutions you have to do still do have to do everything but yes um i'm 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 happy with this um exploration and meeting people who are quite um relevant in the photography industry uh for in in, in you know for the for, for the for the sense of exposure um so yes i i'm fairly new in this industry mm-hmm. but i have already met quite mm-hmm. a few people that i really want to connect with and um yeah Okay, so you said, um, you kind of said that
0: that was um, not exactly what you're engaging with at the moment, which kind of makes me think that there is something they're working on at the moment that you maybe want to share with us or that you're going to be working on next. Uh,
2: so, we recently had a, a photography exhibition at Fuji Film House of Photography. They uh, were a, the kind sponsor of uh, UKBF Talk we had 51 different um photographers exhibiting one image each uh, responding to the theme living your dream uh, so we had like different sections of identity heritage uh, conception uh, conceptual and um so everybody told their story through actually we picked one image but the reason why we did that is because we really wanted to showcase the the, uh, yeah that, that the community is big and that there are quite a few black female photographers in the UK yeah. so this was just 10% of all the women who are in, within this group and um, so um, PhotoFroom will be uh, opening next week yeah. Saturday on the 24th of June and that is a photo festival in Somerset in Froom, uh, that's near Bath, and uh, yeah, not that far from Bristol, and um, and twenty images from the Living the Dream exhibition at Fujifilm House of Photography will be showcased there as well, and these will be the images that respond to the theme identity, so um, yes, so I'm very excited about about that project about um, working with Mick Yates, who is like the director of uh, Froome Festival. Uh, I will also be sitting on a panel discussion during their symposium, having a conversation about... Um, because it, it, it has to do with decolonization, the, the theme and uh i'm very curious how this topic of decolonize say, uh, decolonizing environments uh suits within a, like a conservative town and uh so i'm very i'm i'm intrigued and curious and how people will respond and who will uh be attending okay. as well
1: yeah oh, brilliant yeah uh, thank you yes. so much for sharing um, one final question I would like to ask you: um, You've done all your curating, your photography, and you spoke about your, some of your commercial work, um, especially with your curating and being um, part of the UKBF Talk community. How how beneficial have you seen being part of a community? been has it been to you how beneficial has it been to you i
2: think it is really good to come together with people you don't have to explain yourself to constantly obviously being black is not homogenous right we're all different we come from different parts being like a surinamese uh, um, from it is a country in south america um, officially not uh, Caribbean, but still part of the CARICOM. So we're figuring out, I think, what it is part of. Um, but so we're all different. We're all different and we have different expectations of life, etc. But the thing is that we have so much overlap as well. And that coming together um, as a group of black females, I think, and Uh, female identifying people Um, that I think that is so 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 strong and um, encouraging as well Um, because yeah we do need that sisterhood Uh, as I mentioned before there's a lot on the outside happening right so on the inside we have to heal and we have to uh, connect because I believe that healing comes through connection Uh, Connecting with yourself, connecting with uh, your loved ones, connecting with uh, nature. I believe healing comes forth through connection. So, yes, I am happy. I'm also happy that I'm part of the um, Black Curators Collective since recently. Uh, And uh, so we're coming together in a very safe environment, talking about curatorial projects and about things that we are facing uh, difficulties uh, l- lovely things and so i think um yes these settings are incredibly important connection is something we shouldn't overlook yeah. and um yeah so yes i'm happy i'm part of uh, ukbf talk And happy I'm part of uh, BCC, Black Curators Collective. And um, yeah.
0: Yeah, Great. We talk a lot about community. So um, always, always, as you said, community, so important. Connection, so important. Sisterhood, so important. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Thank you.
1: I think that's a brilliant place to end on. (laughs) Thank you, Dominique, for joining us. But before we go we'll have some quick five questions to ask you so um recently what's the what have you been listening to reading or what podcast have you listened to
2: so i've been reading um not as much as i want so actually i have been started with starting started i've started with familiar stranger of stuart hall and i think it's amazing I uh, finished just finished the book uh, how to see in the spirit because I love the spiritual realm and the mystical part of things and I'm about to start a uh, a book uh, about Noah uh that is like a a ro- a, um, a fiction and it is a very interesting nice well,
0: Noah the, book. Noah from the Bible
2: Yes it's Noah okay. from the Bible this book okay. Yes, oh, uh, okay. Uh, yes. Okay, we'll, um, we'll
0: share the details in the show notes with our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, yes. So,
1: um, I'm- um, last and final question: if you weren't a photographer, what would you be other than curating? Because you've spoken about curating, so yeah, editing, <laughs> or or being an, an editor. editor. <laughs> if you aren't any of that, what would you be? And
2: don't say <laughs> mom because you're already <laughs> that. So, <laughs> I would have been a mermaid. <laughs> Definitely. Ariel? Definitely. Ariel, I would have been... Mm. Well, mm. by now, I would have been the grandma of Ariel, probably. But Did you, yes, did you watch uh, The New yeah. Little M-
0: the Mermaid? N- n- not yet. Oh, it's, it's
2: amazing.
0: No. Go yeah. see-
2: Is it? It's so good. I oh, love yeah. it. It's really nice. Yeah. So, no, actually, I always wanted to be a um, a journalist since I was like a... since since i was able to watch tv uh so yeah five six seven year old years old i always told stories i told story i recorded stories i uh uh, and i shared like the cassette tapes with my friends they said oh when is the next story coming out so i just gave cassette tapes every week you know (laughs) with all my made up (laughs) like um, fairy tales so I was always like a storyteller always a storyteller I always wanted to be a writer that's why I went to study journalism not so sure if I had to choose that course but mm-hmm. anyway uh, but yes so I actually I am doing something that I always wanted to do being a storyteller oh, so yeah love that yeah, yeah. that's amazing that.
1: yeah thank you so much for sharing with us
2: I really yes. appreciate it, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It feel it feels very um I felt very calm. I was quite nervous this morning, but you your calm calmness, your calm demeanor, is that the word? <laughs> is really, yeah, really yeah. good and the questions and yeah, um I really felt um yeah, safe. Um, chatting with
0: you great so yes we're so happy to hear really that. happy to thank hear you. that
2: we really do appreciate you taking the time to speak
1: with us sharing your story being vulnerable with us because it's not very easy and yeah mm-hmm. i hope our listeners who are listening take something from it and yeah give yourself grace as always yep mm-hmm. Thank, mm-hmm. You. Mm-hmm.
2: thank you thank you thank
1: you thank you thank you dominique So if you're interested in joining the conversations, we have a Google form you can fill out in our show notes. If where you're listening to this podcast does not support show notes, you can find our form on our website, www.photomamapodcast.com.
0: And if you have any questions, you can email us at photomamapodcast at gmail.com. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at photomamapod. Catch you on the next episode.